In a stadium rich with tradition, the lights shine the brightest. This is the camp. Now, here's your host, Zach Heilprin, on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yes, well, the news that we all were waiting on and, and kind of expecting, Jesse, came Thursday morning from Paul Christ. Chez Malusi, Wisconsin's leading rusher, is done for the year with a leg injury. It's an injury that is going to keep him out of spring ball, so it is a significant injury, one that uh, we kind of thought may have been the case when we saw him going in the injury tent and everyone going after him on uh, last Saturday against Rutgers, and it's truly unfortunate. Chez has been such a huge lift for them coming in from Clemson and everything that he's given them on the field. It seems like he's just adapted really well into the locker room too. seems like a really well-liked guy. And for this to pop up, just uh, it really sucks for him and it sucks for Wisconsin too. Yeah, it definitely does. You mentioned what he's meant to the team this year, won the starting job out of fall camp after transferring from Clemson. It's not easy to do that, to take on that role, to ingratiate yourself with teammates, but it seemed as though he did all of that. And on Monday, when we got the initial status report that Wisconsin releases to reporters. He was listed as questionable, but I think very early in the news conference we had with Paul Christ, it became clear that that questionable really just meant questionable until we find out what it actually means, because Paul said that the the team doctors were still trying to, to determine the test results. And on Thursday, obviously, we all learned what, again, I thought was probably expected on, on Saturday, because when he went down, it was a non-contact injury. And you just you don't see guys go down in that way. And, and Paul even said on Monday that um, he, Chez told him that he had suffered the injury a few plays earlier. I don't know which play exactly that was, um, but you're right. Just those guys all going into the tent, Chris going into the tent. It just seemed like it was more serious than it was going to keep him out for one game. And, and that's what's happened. Yeah, so I went back and watched the game because obviously we were there. We didn't get to see it live, and I know a lot of people were talking about how he limped off the field a few plays earlier, and he did, but it didn't look like he was favoring his knee. It looked like he was favoring his ankle. Uh, he grabbed his ankle right after uh, that play, and then when he went down, he grabbed his knee. So I don't know. The, the He had been dealing with some nagging stuff throughout the season, right? So part of that is I, I don't know exactly when the injury happened the one that's significant enough that's going to keep him out for the uh, for spring ball and probably not back until late in summer workouts or early in fall camp. So it's a, it's a huge blow for Wisconsin, huge blow for Chez, and it also means that they've now lost. So they have they've now lost their top three running backs to start the season, right? Uh, yes. Chez Malusi was Chez Malusi was number one, Jalen Berger was number two, and Isaac Arenda was number three. And all three of those guys are gone now. Chez obviously with the injury, Berger dismissed from the team, Garendo with the injury. And if not for uh, moving, if not for Braylon and Allen's insistence that he wanted to give running back a shot coming in, they'd be in, in a little bit of dire straits at this point. It would be problematic to say the least. It's crazy because when the season started, as we all know, Wisconsin opened with eight scholarship running backs. Now they're down to three scholarship running backs. Um, obviously with Loyal Crawford being dismissed, uh, with Antoine Roberts being suspended and then entering the transfer portal. No more Berger and two players who are out for the season. So it's going to be more of Braylon Allen. It's going to be more of Julius Davis. I know we'll get into him. Brady Shipper, maybe even Jackson Aker. It's a much different rotation than anybody could have envisioned when Wisconsin opened the season against Penn State. It definitely is. And it, it makes me go back to my 
stupid, stupid thought at the beginning of the year that that Braylon Allen was just going to be, you know, kind of like an Alec Ingold. Like that's that was that was kind of what he was going to be, and how how badly I missed that one because he's been awesome. And you know, in these last what five games, he's got six hundred and twelve. Uh, well, he's, I mean, he's got. He's averaging seven and a half yards a carry. I think he's got 612 yards in these last five games, which they've won all of them, but he's not completely healthy either. You know what I mean? Like he uh, talked about after the game, was it general soreness? I think is, is, is that how he described it? He described it as body soreness. Body soreness. I, I, I tried to probe a little bit further, but he wasn't willing to go there, which I totally get. No football player is going to be like, Oh, it's specifically this because people yeah. are going to see that and then target it. But... And, we, and, and we, and we saw him get his ankles taped up at Rutgers and uh, he, he was clearly not hundred percent. He's never carried the ball more than 20 times in a game. Do we think that's going to stay the same? Do they continue with the, you know, the sharing of the carries here uh, going forward? Is it, or is this going to be more on Braylon Allen? I, I think with his, the uncertainty around his, his injuries and, and it just not being hundred percent that it's not going to be, you know, all of a sudden he's carrying the ball 30 times a game. I don't see that at all. I think this is more of a sharing the carry load in, if not the exact same way, then similar to the way that we saw Chez and Braylon do this. And I looked and Braylon over those five games where he's had hundred plus yard games, he's averaging 16.2 carries per game. You mentioned his high is 20. I would be shocked if he carried more than 20 times this week, um, considering the body soreness that he's been, been going through. And he said after the Rutgers game that he, he knew by the end of the week that he could play. He felt like it was more of a mental thing. But again, this is a 17-year-old kid who came into this season not really playing very much running back. He played a spring season. Before that, he played three games at running back as a sophomore. Obviously, he skipped his, his junior season to reclassify. So it's an entirely different deal, even for a guy as, as physically imposing as he is at 6'2", 238 pounds, to do this week after week in the Big Ten. And that's why I think we're going to see Julius Davis step into a a significant role, certainly the most significant role of his career. And, and I wouldn't be surprised if they split carries. That would be my expectation. Yeah, seven carries, 32 yards for Julius Davis last week in relief. And I even before Ches went down, we, we kind of saw that they were getting Julius Davis involved. I think we kind of talked about that on, um, on the, the first show this week. He's going to have a bigger role. And uh, perhaps, not coincidentally, you wrote about him today. And his ability or his, his willingness to stick it out when other, a lot of other guys would take off and run when he was essentially sixth on the depth chart coming out of fall camp, he stuck with it. And it's now through a lot of his own hard work, but also some, I guess, fortunate aspects of uh, other people not being able to, to be there. He has now got his chance and he is going to be certainly not the top running back, but he's going to be, uh, I think, uh, a significant part down the stretch. Yeah, and, and obviously this is not the circumstance that that he or, or anybody would want to have happen for him to get this bigger role. But look, it's it's hard work and preparation that allows you to step into this opportunity. And I think he deserves tremendous credit because it, it has been discussed, I think, for several months about whether he was going to be the next guy to transfer out. You just wondered whether it was going to work out for him. And, and this is a guy who almost didn't play at all his first two seasons. He was dealing with the core surgery from the, the sports hernia that he suffered in high school. So that kind of wrecked his, his freshman season in 2019. Last year, he carried one time against Minnesota, didn't even get in until after Brady Shipper. And then he comes into fall camp 
and they bring in Ches Malusi from Clemson. They move Braylon Allen from linebacker to running back. And as you said, he's the sixth running back on the depth chart. It would have been very easy to say, this isn't for me. I want to go somewhere else. In this transfer portal era, it's easier than ever to do that. We've seen it at Wisconsin where four guys left in midseason in a 10-day stretch. But I give Julius credit for this. Um, this is what he told me, that in spring, I think he had kind of his aha moment. He said, I had to ask myself, was I doing everything I could to get on the field, to get an opportunity to earn the coach's trust? And he realized that he wasn't. He really wasn't all in on everything you needed to do contribute at Wisconsin. He talked about his weight wasn't where it needed to be. His nutrition wasn't where it needed to be. He said he played last season around 190 pounds and he acknowledged you're, you can't be 190 and play running back in the Big Ten. We got with Sophie Pomeran, who's the, the team's nutritionist. He put on good weight. He enters this season at 201 pounds. His teammates have talked about how much more difficult he is to tackle even in practice and he was dragging some guys with him against Rutgers. And I think he also approached just the little details that you have to do learning the playbook better, going up to the office and watching film with coaches. So he has won the trust of his teammates. He has won the trust of his coaches. And Paul has said that this didn't, like he talks about with a lot of guys, that this is not something that happened overnight. Because of the approach that he came in with in fall camp, it has allowed him to get to this point. And I think that wasn't easy either because we didn't see him at all in the spring. He got hurt then too. And that was right after Gary Brown came in, the new running backs coach. And so he didn't have a chance to show Gary what he could do, but he stuck with it. And now he's got an opportunity to be the number two running back the rest of this season. It's really a great story. I think about perseverance. How close do you think he was to pulling the plug? Was there any, did you get any sense when talking to him that that was even a remote possibility? No, I, I didn't get that sense. I don't know whether that's a hundred percent truthful. I mean, I have to imagine that in the down moments, there were thoughts about whether if, if it didn't happen this season, if that would be it. But, um, you know, I talked to his dad for this. Obviously, I, I talked to Julius, and his dad said that the message was never about transferring. It was about what can you do to give yourself an opportunity and to be seen. And I do think the fact that Julius acknowledged and, and felt like he wasn't even giving himself a real opportunity to play, um, I think that made it easier to stick it out. Because if, if he was like, I spent my first two years here and I haven't done everything I can do, he wasn't going to even entertain the idea of leaving unless he put it all out there. I think if he did that and maybe it didn't happen this year, we could be having a different conversation, but he said, this is where I said I was going to be when he made that commitment to Wisconsin in the 2019 recruiting class. And he wants to go out and prove himself. And, and he feels like it, it's more meaningful because he's worked for something rather than have it handed to him. And obviously the role has come about because of some injuries, but he certainly worked for this opportunity and I'm interested to see what he can do with it because I think he's a very talented running back now that he's fully healthy. And now that he seems to have put it all together. Do you think he gives them something simple, similar to what Ches did? Well, when I talked to Gary Brown last week, that's how he described Julius right away is that he was similar to Ches. Um, I, I think it's, it's possible. I, I see some, I see more power, I feel like, out of out of Julius. And I'm not saying Chez didn't have it, but to me, Chez was, I mean, the run I think of is the one where he evaded the tackler four yards in the backfield and, and scored a touchdown. I think Julius has some of that, but I also think he's the type of guy who wants to make one cut and go and just run over a dude. Um, I almost wonder whether it's closer to Braylon, but I, I need to see more carries to see. I, I think he can do a little bit of everything. Again, now that he's healthy and he's he's got it all together. I mean, Julius Davis is what forty pounds lighter than 
35? Yeah, very different, very different body type. But I I do think that he's got some of that ability. I don't know how close he is to Chez, but we're going to find out this week. We are. And, you know, it's kind of funny. I don't know if you'll remember this, but I remember watching fall camp and we hadn't seen Julius Davis actually get a carry in team drills. <laughs> like through his first two years, we hadn't, we hadn't seen it. Like the only carry we'd seen him get was against Minnesota. And the first time he got a carry, I remember documenting it like nine eleven AM August. Da-da-da. Like it was, and now I could have never imagined that would be at this point where he's going to be playing significant minutes and it's, or significant snaps. And I think it's, I think everyone's kind of excited what exactly it's going to look like. Right. I mean, this was a guy that was very highly recruited coming out of uh, high school. LSU had uh, offered him USC offered him like there were a lot of guys. And you don't usually get that from a running back from inside the state. And yet here he is uh, in a spot where he's going to play, I think, as I said before, a significant roll down these these next three games and potentially into the big championship game and whatever bowl game they end up at. I think there's also excitement and, and maybe this is more around the team, but I also think perhaps the fan base too, um, because of the way it's come about that it has taken so long for him to get there. You know, you look back at his high school career, he had one great season and then two um, on Thursday about whether there was any risk in, in taking him. Now he had committed very early, but Julius had an incredible junior season for Menominee falls over 1700 yards. He had the, the highlight real play that seemed like it made it across the country. It was one of those viral videos. And then two games into the season, when he had rushed for almost 600 yards, he suffers the hernia injury and he doesn't come back until a playoff game. And he's not really himself. And Paul even said that Paul was surprised that it it took a little longer than even he thought it would take. Um, But every situation is a little bit different. And so again, I do think that that backstory has a lot to do with, with some of this excitement. Definitely does. I think it's also worth noting that uh, when Barry Alvarez came in, he always talked about going to get our, you know, hands and and feet and our, our skill guys from outside of the state, and, and we're going to, you know, keep all the big guys inside the state. Well, you look at Wisconsin's running back depth chart right now; it's all Wisconsin guys. Up, the only healthy players right now in that running back room are from Wisconsin: Braylon Allen, Julius Davis, Brady Shipper, Grover Bortolotti, John Chanel, Jackson Aker too. And excuse me, and excuse me, Jackson Aker. That's that's Wisconsin's running back room right now. And I don't think it's probably ever been like that, at least certainly since uh, Alvarez came in. So like in the last 30 years, it's never been like that before. It's pretty wild. And I would say for as much as we've talked about Julius, I, I don't think it's out of the question that we might see some other guys, too, based on what happened last week against Rutgers. You know, I think Brady Shipper basically continues in the same role. He's the third down back. I mentioned on the last show that he's had between 10 and 16 snaps played every week since week two. Um, I wonder whether they would get Jackson Aker involved. I wonder whether John Chanel would have some type of different role. I don't know that he would, but he certainly is capable of it. I was really impressed with what Aker did in limited snaps. So it's for as dire as it may have seemed on the surface, I think they're in okay position. Now, if Braylon <laughs> gets hurt or, or can't go, that would be a different uh, situation but they seem to be okay in holding it together and still be in good position to win the big 10 West with these last three regular season games. Definitely. Definitely. Um, wanted to get into a few, a few other things before we get to our over-unders and then our picks Wisconsin's run defense. It has been what your, what word would you use to describe it? I would say insane 
um, I think, but like dominant is probably a good one. Uh, there are a lot of different words that you can use to describe what they have been, but they are very, very, I don't want to say likely, but they're, they're going to put, they're going to potentially break the record for uh, school record for fewest rush yards allowed per game. And that is a record that has stood since what? 1951, I believe. Why are they so successful, Jesse? In your mind, and, and I know you wrote about it. Why have they been so successful? Well, the word I would use is historically dominant, since that's what we ran in the headline for my story. Um, it's, I mean, it's a few different factors. The numbers are just ridiculous that they're they're allowing 54.7 yards per game, and yeah, the the school record goes back 70 years. It was 66.8 yards per game. So. They've got about 12 yards to play with. It's it's remarkable because no Wisconsin team in the last 70 years has surrendered fewer than 88.2 yards rushing per game. There's a whole bunch of other numbers, but I, I thought Matt Henningsen, when I was talking to him on Monday, gave some interesting uh, context to just the mental approach. He basically said, we're upset about a one-yard gain, if I'm just being honest. Like, if it's second and nine, we're mad about it because we expect negative yardage plays, uh, negative yardage plays or, or no gains on first down. I think they've got a lot of experience coming back. And so that that's the obvious thing. Their front seven, the starters had combined to play in 168 career games with 82 starts. The only guy who hadn't started was Isaiah Mullins, but he'd still played in 20 games. All four linebackers had started. They were, they were starters last year and Henningsen and Benton have taken their games to another level. And so the D line often doesn't get the credit that they deserve but like when i was talking to john chanel about this he talked about how good they are at messing with run fits and i asked him so for the average fan can you describe what does that mean and he would talk about let's say as the fullback i have to go block a linebacker I've, i know where i'm supposed to go but the defensive line is so good that they will move the offensive lineman into that gap and it slows everything down and i think we've seen that and also let's be real they've got the two best inside linebackers in the country, <laughs> the best linebacker duo in the nation. And that doesn't even count Nick Herbig. And I think Noah Burks is extremely underrated. So they've got confidence and they've got talent and they're just executing at an extraordinarily high level. And all that has contributed to them having the best run defense in the country. Well, and teams still enjoy uh, giving up a down by running in the middle of that defense. I know. I it's funny. I joked with Matt. I said, you know, I've been talking with a colleague. Sorry, Zach. I didn't. I didn't mention you by name, but I was like, we'll we'll sit up there in the press box and we'll joke when a team runs it up the middle. We're like, why did they do that? Why are they wasting a down? And he was just like, he was just like, yeah, they can try to run it up the middle if they want to, but they're not going to get anything, and that's the approach. Yeah. No, I, I asked Jack Sanborn the same thing. I, I told him, I'm like, I think that they are wasting it down every time they run the middle up the middle against you. He goes, yeah, I hope they keep doing it. So, <laughs> um, yeah, well, well, you know, that the rushing defense has been fantastic and, and the passing defense hasn't been too shabby either. I think they're ranked seventh in the country in passing defense. The defense overall has just been uh, remarkable. I don't, the rushing defense may be tested this week. What do you think? Do you think it's going to be tested all this week against Northwestern? I mean, they do have a guy who's averaging close to six and a half yards of carry. Now, um, not exactly against the best competition, but uh, what do you think? Nah, <laughs> I don't know. I don't think so. Um, I, th I feel like this run defense is going to continue to perform well. And the other aspect of this, which I think we should acknowledge, because you, you had addressed this before, is, is the sacks. That was something they weren't very good at last year. They, they may have gotten decent pressure on quarterbacks, but they weren't sacking guys. And, and they've 
had multiple six sacks, eight games. And that certainly contributes to the, the loss of, of yardage, which are credited for running plays. You know, they've got 61 tackles for loss, which lead the big 10 and they've got 27 sacks, which is tied for second in the conference. So I just, I don't know. I have a hard time seeing Northwestern doing some significant damage this week for as difficult as Northwestern has been in, in recent years to play against. And Paul, there's a crazy stat, by the way, Paul Christ is three and three against Northwestern and he's 27 and four against the rest of the big 10 West. I still think Wisconsin's going to roll this week. Well, you look at Northwestern and Wisconsin, they've represented the big 10 West. What? Every year since 2016. So it was 2016. Wisconsin was 2016 and 2017. Northwestern was 18. Wisconsin was 19. Northwestern was last year. So they've essentially been the teams in the Big Ten West for the last. And, and the thing with Northwestern is it's either a Big Ten West championship or really not very good team. Yeah, feast uh, or famine for them. Whereas Wisconsin's a little bit different. But um, no, Evan Hall is, is uh, obviously their, their leading rusher. And he's, he's averaging 6.2 yards per carry. But if you go back and look at it, so uh, he's, he, he's kind of a feast or famine in terms of big runs. He's got a, he had a 75 yarder against Michigan. He had a 90 yarder against Ohio. He had a 49 yarder against Michigan state. It accounts for, I'm not going to say a lot of his yardage, but he had 11 carries of 41 yards against Iowa last week. I, uh, but he was also involved in the passing game, six catches for 89 yards. I think, I, I don't think Northwestern is going to be able to run the ball, but again, as you, as we've talked about, it's always a difficult game with Northwestern for whatever reason, Wisconsin favored by so what, what was the last number I saw 24 and a half, which is uh, I believe That's a the, lot. Yes. It's the biggest, I think at least since maybe the 1999 game, either way, we'll, we'll get into our picks in a little bit, but want to do a little over under here and we'll start kind of with Northwestern. They, uh, they are averaging hundred and, I think it's 153 yards per game on the ground. Northwestern over under rushing yards, 75 and a half. You know, you set this number last week for Rutgers and I felt so good about it. And then Wisconsin got a 49 point lead and put all the second and third stringers in and then hit Rutgers hit the over. So uh, I'm going to go over this week. I don't think Northwestern is going to get substantially higher than that, but um, since I have to pick, I'll go the over. (laughs) Uh, All right. Wisconsin's running game. Northwestern usually stuffs run much better than they are this year. They're giving up 224 yards per game on the ground. Wisconsin averaging 222 yards per game on the ground. Wisconsin rushing yards over under 223 and a half. I split the difference. Boy, there. This is a really tough one. Um, I'm going to go the over. I'm just going to assume Braylon Allen's going to get hundred plus yards. I think Julius <laughs> is going to, going to do his thing. I do wonder how, what the passing game looks like this week. I mean, Graham Mertz obviously had a, a largely good day against Rutgers. And I think they got the receivers involved a little bit more. I, you know, I don't really think that the game plan changes even with a different running back rotation. I think they're still going to run a bunch. Um, but, and so I'm going to take the over Julius Davis over under 80 and a half yards rushing. Ooh, I feel like uh, uh, this is a tough one since I just said they'll go over two twenty three. Um, uh, you've, you've got. I'm going to go on two hundred plus. Yeah, right? yeah. I, I'm going to go. I'm going to go under. You know, oh, maybe really? there's a third running. Maybe there's a third. I, you know, Braylon gets one fifty. Julius gets seventy. Maybe uh, Brady Shipper or Jackson Aker get fifteen or twenty. I mean, it's going to be. 
it's going to be fun to watch. I'm going to go under, but I think he does have a good day. Yeah, I think with them trying to keep Braylon uh, healthy, I, th- I think is probably, I mean, I, the term I would use, I, I think he goes over. I think it does. I think he gets, I think he gets like 10 or 15 carries, if not more. Uh, or I should say uh, I, not more, but I think 10 to 15 is probably maybe where Julius Davis is. Uh, Ooh, Graham, he gets 10 carries and goes for over 80. That's a, that's a hell of a yards per carry average. That's better than Braylon. They're giving up five something a yard to carry. Northwestern. I'm just saying, I'd be very impressed if Julian or Julius averages eight plus yards a carry. Uh, I don't know if you like. There have been games where Braylon has averaged over seven and a half yards a carry. Yeah, Braylon has, but we haven't seen Julius do it. So yeah, we'll see. All right, all right. I said ten to fifteen. 10 all right, fifteen, my guy. I'm nitpicking. All right, uh, Graham Mertz touchdowns, running and passing. Over under is two and a half. Northwestern has allowed just five passing touchdowns all year. That's tied for second fewest in the country. I'm taking the under on this. Um, although you can never be too sure how many quarterback sneaks Graham's going to get. Exactly. It's, it's, it, does it feel like Wisconsin's been like at the one yard line a ton this year? It certainly does. Um, <laughs> I'm going to take the under. I still, I think they're going to run the ball a lot. Um, and I'm just going to assume that a running back or a fullback will score at the goal line this week. <laughs> All right. Uh, so yeah, th- those are our, our over-unders for the week. Yeah. Uh, well, well, that, that rushing one's going to be interesting. Now you're taking the over yeah. on that. That's that's uh, that'll be interesting. All right, let's time time to get into our picks. Uh, before we get going, though, uh, like to look into last week. Uh, we did six games. Jesse went three and three. You're now twenty eight and twenty on the year. I went two and four. I'm now twenty six and twenty two on the year. Oof, picked up a game. That's clutch. Yeah, that's good work. But uh, that's good work on your part. Uh, let's. We both got, yeah, we'll, we'll get into these games. Uh, we're going to pick five of them, most of them in the Big Ten. We'll start with one game that's outside of the Big Ten. That's number eight, Oklahoma, and number 13, Baylor. The uh, Sooners favored by five and a half. The overrunner is 62. Do I go with the fighting Dave Arandas? Um, I don't know how I can after TCU just beat them. I, I, I think Oklahoma's on a mission here, so I'm going to pick the Sooners. I'm going to take the over because I don't trust any Big 12 defense further than I can throw it. Even though, yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm going to take Baylor because I believe in Dave Aranda. Big fan, big fan of Dave Aranda. He's never <laughs> like a, a really like loud talker. Nope. He was he was kind of always under like, but what he said was always good. Oh like, yes, there were, very there were, intense. Yeah, yes. there were there were always very like good quotes to come out of Dave Aranda. You would always get something good out of him. And the greatest thing was when they weren't playing well. And he would gather, gather all of them on the sideline and then lay into them. Cause like, it's not, cause like, it's not something he does very often. So it, like, it was notable for that reason. I'm going to take, I'm going to take Baylor and I'm going to take the under we'll go into the big 10. Now, number six, Michigan traveling to Penn state Wolverines, one and a half point favorites. The over under is 48 and a half. A lot of people, a lot of people, Jesse, very, very upset about the Nittany Lions not being ranked despite the fact that they, beat Wisconsin and uh, they should be ranked because of that. While the Badgers, the both teams have three losses and uh, they beat, they beat Wisconsin. So they should be ranked in those college in the college football playoff rankings. You know, uh, don't lose Illinois. I think that's, yep, I think that's I, what I was going to say. Yeah, don't you lose know. Illinois. And that Penn state game was two months ago, three, uh, yeah, two uh, over two months ago. Like it doesn't, yeah. Uh, you put these two teams on the field together right now. I'm, I'm taking Wisconsin. Right. And here's the thing. Penn State has lost three of its last four games. Yeah. One was 
to Iowa by three, and they have held, they kept it to a single digit loss against Ohio State. I realize those are good teams. Those are teams ranked in the, the college football playoff ranking, but Wisconsin's played some good teams and three losses that they had at the time they were ranked. Um, I mean, Wisconsin's playing like one of the best teams in the Big Ten right now. So how long can you ride the coattails of your season opening victory? Uh, anyway, <laughs> on to this game. Um, I feel like the fact that this is at Penn State matters. Um, I know Michigan's playing really well, um, but I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Penn State on this one. I like that there's a little wiggle room there with a point and a half. I'm going to take the under as well on the 48 and a half. Uh, we're on the same page. I'm going to also take Penn State. Okay. Um, and uh, eh. yeah, I'm going to take the under too. Yeah. Those defenses. Yep. Uh, what else we got here? Number 19, Purdue coming off their second top, what, five win of the year. They went and uh, beat Michigan State last season, uh, last, last week. They now travel to Ohio State looking for another, trying to take down another uh, uh, beast. Um, this one, though, obviously on the road. They already beat Iowa on the road, but they're going to be at, at Ohio State. The Buckeyes favored by 21. The over is 62 and a half. Gosh, this is a tough one with 21. Sometimes Ohio State comes out and looks like they're playing a JV team. You know, they beat Indiana by 47. They beat Maryland by 49, if my math is right. They beat Rutgers by 39. But obviously, Purdue is a, a better team. I, I like the points with Purdue. Um, I'm going to go with the under on this one. Yeah. Which Aiden, which Aiden O'Connell shows up? I don't know. Probably it, a decent one. Is it Aiden O'Connell that, that threw for 375 yards against Iowa and two touchdowns? Is it Aiden O'Connell that threw for 233 yards and two touchdowns against Nebraska? Is it the Aiden O'Connell that showed up against last week against Michigan State? We threw for 536 yards and three more touchdowns. Or... Is it the Aiden O'Connell that Wisconsin made look like a complete fool? Uh, goes 24-32, 200 yards, one touchdown, three interceptions, sacked four times. Which one do you think shows up? Somewhere in the middle to keep it within 21. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm going to take Ohio State. Uh, I, we, we saw the last time Purdue came off a, a huge win. It didn't look good the following week, and they were at home. This one on the road coming off that win, I'm taking Ohio State. Uh, and the over uh, Minnesota traveling to number 20, Iowa, Minnesota coming off a loss to Illinois, Iowa favored by five and a half off of their five point win over Northwestern. The over under is 37. What do you got? This is a tough one because it's just enough points to entice me to consider Minnesota. I can't explain how they scored six points against Illinois and lost. Um, but again, we saw Iowa's offense a couple of weeks ago, uh, less than ideal. So to me, this is almost a toss up. But since I've got a pick, I'm going to go. I'm going to go Iowa on this one. I will take. I suppose I'll take the. Uh, you know what? <laughs> I'm going with Minnesota and I'm taking the under. <laughs> yeah. I talked myself out of it. Yeah. Uh, Minnesota, if they can't run the ball, all kinds of trouble. And I don't think they're going to be able to run the ball against Iowa. I'm going to take. Ugh. I'm going to take Iowa. You got and, to. You got to make up a game. Yeah, I'm going to take Iowa, and I'm going to take the over for some reason. Iowa has not lost to Minnesota since 2014. Uh, they've won. They, this is it's kind of like Wisconsin, like Wisconsin and Minnesota for a long time. Iowa and Minnesota, they've, they have owned uh, that series of late. 
Now, most of the games have been close, though, Jesse. I'll say that. In the six-game winning streak, only one of them has been – only two of them have been decided by double digits. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take Iowa. Yeah, I think Iowa wins. I just like Minnesota to cover on the five. Yeah, nine. yeah. No, no, I know for sure. I was, I was just looking at the – at some of the scores, though, and 35 to seven last year, 48, 31 a couple years ago. But a lot of them have been uh, one score games uh, of recent here in the uh, in the series between the two teams. And we'll finish off with uh, Wisconsin and Northwestern. Number 18, Wisconsin, 24 and a half point favorites. The over under is 41. I don't know. Have you I don't you probably don't follow, but Stato War on Twitter. He does like all these games and it's like projected score. He has uh, Northwestern's projected score of 0.6 points. I love it. 0.6. It's good. Yes. Um, you know, Wisconsin has been rolling lately. I just, I don't know how I feel about 24 and a half with, with a Northwestern team that just consistently plays Wisconsin tough. You look back, I mean, the last time Wisconsin won in a blowout was 2013. Uh, it's usually a one possession game or oftentimes it is, or at least it's close into the fourth quarter. So I like Northwestern with the points. I still think Wisconsin is going to win handily. I just don't think it'll be by 24 and a half plus. Um, I'm going to take the, hmm, another tough one here. I guess I'll take the under on this one just because I think Wisconsin's defense isn't going to give up very many points. Yeah, so the last uh, the last time Wisconsin was a 24 and a half point favorite at home over a Big Ten team was Purdue back uh, in 2019. They won 45-24. Before that, it was Rutgers. They won 31-17. Obviously, didn't cover there. And then uh, before that, Illinois, Wisconsin, Illinois, back in 2014, won by 10, so didn't cover. And then you have to go all the way back to 2013. You know what game I'm I'm going to here? In 2013? 2013. Big oh, yes, opponent. I certainly do. It's going to be Penn State. Yes. Wisconsin. Bill O'Brien, not was, thrilled about that. When it, Wisconsin, inexplicably, well, I shouldn't say inexplicably, but, but pretty crazily, a 25-point favorite over Penn State that season, and Penn State went on to win that game 31-24. I guess what I'm trying to say is Wisconsin has not covered against the Big Ten team at 24 and a half. Since twenty since twenty thirteen, the, the game before that, they were twenty six and a half point favorites against uh, Indiana, and they ended up winning that game fifty one to three in what was just an absolute uh, horrible game in terms of uh, the play, but also the, the weather. I think James White had like a ninety yard touchdown in that game. Um, I'm I'm going to take obviously Wisconsin to win, but I don't see them covering, so I'm going to take Northwestern there and the over. So. We'll see. We'll see how it all plays out. Wisconsin looking for a sixth straight win. It would be their longest winning streak since they opened the season uh, in 2019, 6-0. and They would also then still keep themselves at least at worst in a tie for first place in the Big Ten West. Uh, I guess no matter what, they're going to be in a tie because with uh, Iowa and Minnesota playing, one of them is still going to be uh, only having two losses. We'll see what happens with Purdue at Ohio State. Um, but uh, it certainly feels like Jesse, I think we could both agree it's going to come down to that that final Saturday in Minneapolis. Uh, that's the way things are trending, and it's going to uh, hopefully, if we get there, make for a very exciting last game of the regular season, just like it did two years ago in Minneapolis. That one turned out pretty well for Wisconsin. It definitely did, and we'll see uh, what happens with Wisconsin Northwestern on Saturday. Until next time, thank you very much, Jesse. Thanks, Zach. All right, you've been listening to The Camp here on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.